Hey there, welcome back to the Synergistic Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen, and today we're talking with Kate Donovan from katedonovan.com. She's the host of Fried the Burnout Podcast, and she talks all about uh, burnout and the burnout cycle. So I loved this episode with Kate. She is an amazing human being. This entire episode is completely raw, unedited, just the conversation we had, and we go kind of in a lot of different directions when we talked about burnout, but they all circled back to the same common theme. It was one of my favorite episodes I've recorded, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. So let's just dive right in and start talking about burnout. Okay, today we're talking with Kate Donovan from katedonovan.com. She's the host of Fried the Burnout podcast and the author of The Bounce Back Ability Factor. She helps women end the personal burnout cycle for good by helping them reconnect to the fun-loving part of themselves that may have been lost and start enjoying life again. So, welcome. So happy to have you here. Um, (laughs) I have two, I guess, two questions to start with. First, of course, is so you have a background in Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So how did you start talking about burnout specifically? Because that seems like kind of, I don't know, maybe the first place someone might think of when they say, oh, I have a background in Chinese medicine. And then the second part would be like, what exactly is burnout? Because I think we start to think burnout is just part of like the stress of everyday life. And then, yeah. and then we don't realize that we're going too far until... We've gone too far. Until, until we've officially bur- burnt the <laughs> candle out. at both ends. Yeah. Right. Um, so the first question is, I, I started actually my career, like, you know, when I went to college, I was on a pre-med track and I had always planned to be a medical doctor. And when I realized very quickly that that was never going to be the thing that I loved to do for a lot of various reasons, I went to, I was taking a graduate level course in meditation my sophomore year of college. And they only let me take it because it was the first time it had ever been offered. And the teacher of it was a woman named Livia Cohn, who's the world's foremost scholar of Taoism and happens to teach a course at Boston University where I was going at the time in um, the introduction to Chinese medicine. She taught it to the medical students. Mm. So she was just this sort of person that like should not have been in my life at that point for right. any reason. It just everything that she did was outside of my realm, but my minor was Eastern religion. And so they allowed me to take this, this master's level course in meditation with her. And I went to her office hours and I said, Livia, I don't know what I'm going to do. I am not going to study medicine. And I've been saying that I was going to be a doctor since I was three. So I don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, well, just do Chinese medicine. I said, what the F is that? (laughs) And that's how it started, basically. So I I got into Chinese medicine. I started reading the books, obviously, before I went to school. And when I was reading about it, I had like a total come to Jesus moment, kind of. I turned into an absolute neophyte. I didn't understand why the whole world was not talking about the way that Chinese medicine views the body and the world and the connections within thereof. Like I, I, it just baffled me that all of this wisdom was just unknown because it's so powerful. And so I became a total neophyte. Like I tried to convert everybody that I knew successfully in a couple of cases. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of acupuncturists in the world that might not have uh, gone that route had I, had I not um, thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> so, so I've, 
I followed my heart into this because I read it and I was like, yes, this is still a master's degree, which was really important to me. I had always thought that I was going to have a, a doctorate. So having a master's degree, I felt like at least that was, it's not like I was going to go quit after my second year of school, do a three month massage program and then like be a healer, you know, mm-hmm. which is totally a, an okay way to do it. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. But because my initial goal was to have MD at the end of my name, I was, it was really important to me at that time to have the letters right so getting a master's degree in chinese medicine was like i was like okay if i'm not going to get a like get an b and md then at least i can do this and i loved it so i went with it i loved school and it was really easy for me because i had just come from med school and most of the people that i was in class with were 40 plus so here i am this 19 year old kid who just was like leaving a pre-med program at boston university so we'll say it was a little strenuous and here I go to this acupuncture school, which for many people is very strenuous, but for me was just like, you know, cakewalk. So I was thrilled. I loved everything about it. In my last year, I um, went to Argentina for a break. I took a semester off, went to Argentina, met a Polish man, and ended up deciding to marry him. So I finished my degree, moved to Poland, started in my acupuncture career in a foreign country. So this whole time, I'm thinking like, I'm doing all the right things, right? Everybody tells you you have to follow your heart. You should do the things that make you happy, all of these things. So I did all of those things and and I worked at a fertility center for a few years. It got a little bit heavy. So I opened a private practice in Warsaw in Poland and I have this private practice and I have a three month waiting list and I'm on the news and I've been on TV shows and talk shows and done workshops for people. I'm being invited to do all these. I'm in magazines. It's a, like, it's a very big deal. I'm 28 years old and I hate everything. And it took me until I was about 35 to realize that it was burnout. I was on this cycle for about seven years before I really even knew what was happening. So I, and, and I ignored the fact that it could be happening for a long time because I was doing something that I loved and I could not equate doing something that I loved and being burnt out. I I could not put those things together. It didn't make sense to me how I could follow all the damn rules and follow my passion and follow my heart and do, and still end up being burnt out. It didn't make sense to me. So I, I sort of tried to get through it. I used a little bit of Chinese medicine. I used a little bit of this. I had some life coaching. I did, you know, I kind of did all these things, but I wasn't really addressing the real problem, which was the fact that I was burnt out. And so when I finally realized what that was and took the next couple of years to sort of pull myself out of it, I realized I'm not the only one. There's all these people in the world doing things that they love, trying to help people, There's all these female entrepreneurs that are closing their businesses because they couldn't keep up with the businesses that they built because they didn't build sustainable practices because they didn't think that they would be loved unless they served everybody, unless they never said no, unless they, and I thought to myself, well, first of all, I can't have the healers burning out anymore. So I have to do something about this. I have to tell people what I went through and I have to use my life coaching knowledge and my Chinese medicine knowledge. Like I have to use these tools to tell people that they don't have to. And when I started digging into it more, I realized that I'm a massive feminist and I really had a hard time with the fact that one of the reasons that we're not able to make as much change as we would like to make in the world as women 
is because we burn out as we're trying to build businesses that are trying to get us out of traditional systems. So we leave the traditional system to try and create this new thing. We build something massive and then it's too big and we don't ask for enough help. We burn out and then we lose it or our health or both. And I thought, well, this system is not working anymore. I need to disrupt it. So that's the very long answer to that very short question. I th well, you know, I, I think that just like most, I mean, your story is like most women who start businesses. It's because we have encountered an issue or a problem or something that needs solving. And then, you know, you've gone through it already yourself. And then you're like, okay, this is happening to a lot of people, but not enough people are talking about it because for whatever reason, you know, I'm sure there's tons of different reasons, but Shame, it doesn't judgment, guilt. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it doesn't get talked about, but there's so much power in giving a voice to any any type of issue, whether it's burnout or anything, there's so much power in sharing a story and giving a voice. And, and that's actually why I love doing the podcast because I'm like, all these women have these stories and whether my story is not exactly the same as you, we can relate to those parts that we see ourselves in. So I think that, I mean, I like the long answer. That was a long way of saying I like your long answer. Um, <laughs> so I like how you said too, that you can love what you do and still get burned out because a lot of people love what they do, but you know, and maybe it's not even necessarily the business that's burning them out. Maybe it's because they're trying to do the business and everything else. So I think, you know, it's a good point to make that yeah, you can love your job. You can love what you do. You can love your family. You can love your children. You can love, you can even love doing all the things, you know, like you can love taking care of your house and taking care of your kids and going to work and doing all that stuff. And you can still get burnt out even exactly. if you like what you do. Yeah. <laughs> that and is where the person stuck in a dead end job. Right. It's really important to talk about that. It's super important to talk about that. I just did a, I released a podcast of this um, yesterday well, yesterday now, which so means August 23rd for in the future when this is aired. Um, but I, I released a podcast episode that was like, you know, you need to, part of not burning out is um, staying big enough, basically, is owning your genius. So one of my problems, I realized most of, most of my burnout issues were because I was trying to prove something to other people. Mm -hmm. And because I was overgiving and because I was, I thought I was from Boston and had really good boundaries and I was wrong. I was just passive aggressive. <laughs> so, there was, <laughs> so there was that. Um, but that's a whole nother episode. And um, I, I was like so stuck in this rhythm that one of the other things that I didn't realize was that I love acupuncture and I still do it. I have an office in New York City I, and I do it twice a week and I love it. What I wasn't realizing was that I have always really wanted and never really admitted to myself because in my family, you should, you know, humble, humble. Like, I want to be on stage. I want to tell this story to 3,000 people. I want to tell this story to 5,000 people. I'm going for Brené Brown status here. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, and, I, and I'm There's not doing wrong that yeah. for my own fame. I'm doing right. it because I honestly think this is that important. I honestly believe that this can like literally change the world. So I, I really want to make it that big, but I was staying within my do acupuncture every day. That's what your degree is in. Like don't allow yourself to grow. So you can also burn out when your job is almost too easy for you. I love acupuncture. It's really easy. I've been doing it for 13 years now. It's pretty much on autopilot at this point. When you walk in, 
within about five minutes, I've probably already decided what points I'm going to use. Like I, I, and I still need the time to listen to you Mm -hmm. and I take it. However, I'm good at that already. It's easy for me. And so I was doing this thing all day, every day that was super easy. And you'd think that that would be a calming life, but my ambition needs a challenge needs a challenge and I didn't have one. And that was also a part of my burnout story, which seems a little bit convoluted. See, I I think, I do think it makes perfect sense while you're saying it though, because I think that that becomes the, um, you know, people get complacent when things get easy and, and it's, and it's not that you're living a bad life because like you're saying you enjoy it. It's easy. It's funny because I had a, I've worked with business coaches and stuff as well. And she was like, she, this woman says to me, what you're doing is too easy for you. You need to, she's like, you need to step it up. She's like, right. it's fine that you like it. It's fine that you're good at it. She's like, but you need to do something else. She's like, your, your soul is burning to like soar a little bit. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I, there was a whole episode I did about the fact that you can burn out because you're not owning your genius, mm-hmm. that you stepped into your genius on the first step. And that was already a risk for you going mm-hmm. into acupuncture was already a risk for me. So I kind of figured it felt like once I had that done, like I was sort of done, mm-hmm. but I was also like 28 at the height of my career. And yeah. my life was like, hi, you're 28, get over yourself. Like there's a lot more steps. Well, that, and then you're like in your twenties and you're like, you don't really know who you are in your twenties. Like you're starting yeah. to get there. But I, I just had my brother, one of my brothers just turned 30 and he was like, um, some, said something about, oh, 30. I was like, your thirties are way better than your twenties. Trust me. Way better. I was like, you don't even know who you are yet. <laughs> yeah. I just I'm turned thinking. 38 yesterday and people are oh, like, oh, birthday. you're going to be 40 soon. And I'm like, I can't wait. Thank I you. can take it. I'm like, I can't wait. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm ready to turn 40. Like I bring me there. Yeah. I'm like, every year gets better. This my whole life. Yeah. Every yeah. year gets better as you learn more. I feel if you're, if you're the same as you were in your twenties, then I think you're doing something wrong. Like you're like, supposed to continue to evolve and grow and like find things that you enjoy and like push the boundaries of who you are. So I totally agree. Um, yeah. I'm the same way. I, uh, so we're talking about, uh, kind of the second part, we kind of answered it, but like, what, how would you people know if they're burning out? Like, how would you know that you're not just, I don't know, stressed out, or this is just the like every day, this is how it's supposed to be. Cause I think people get stuck in that rut of like, well, like stress has almost got the word stress. I feel like has almost gotten like, if you don't have it, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Or yeah, it's like not even a thing. Like that's just life to people. They're like, uh, like if you say it's like, Oh, manage your stress. It like doesn't even mean anything anymore because people are like, stress is just life, but it's not, but that's where we are. I feel like. So how do people, how do people know if they're burned out or on the verge of being burned out? So if we go through the research in order to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm using air quotes everybody who who can't see me right now, I'm using air quotes because in order to diagnose burnout, there needs to be three components. And I say diagnose in air quotes because it's not considered a medical condition. It's considered an occupational hazard. So it's made it into the medical books, but it's not actually a diagnosis. So this is a little bit tricky, Mm -hmm. but in order to quote unquote diagnose burnout, you need to have three components. The first component is physical and mental exhaustion. Like you can hear the entire, like, you know, sea of your podcast listeners just like dropping their shoulders and being like, well, duh, you know, Mm -hmm. physical and emotional exhaustion. Who doesn't have that? Mm -hmm. Like, 
The next component is cynicism and detachment. So feeling like you're doing it all alone, having an internal, um, I call her negative Nancy, having an, an internal negative Nancy, just sort of just being in general, like pessimistic about everything all the time. And then the third component is a lack of feeling that the work that you do is impactful, like not having the ability to feel that what you do is as an accomplishment. And all of these three factors should be present at the same time in order for us to say that you have burnout. That being said, how the hell do you judge that? So there's a 25 question quiz. It's called Moslock's Burnout Inventory. And Christina Moslock is the number one burnout researcher and has been since the late 70s. I mean, she's been doing this a long time. And so according to her burnout inventory quiz, there's 25 questions and you can you know, get a scale of like where you are on the burnout scale. But for me, the thing that I see, that I saw in myself and that I see now in my clients and in my acupuncture patients is that one of the biggest red flags is resentment. If you're feeling resentment multiple times a day, every day, you're probably burnt out. That's sign number one. Most people don't admit to resentment. Most people ignore resentment because it's not like a sexy emotion. So it's something that if you start paying attention to it and you start noticing it, then what that does is teaches you what boundaries you have not put in place and where your lines are being crossed. Most of the time it's you crossing your own lines, not other people crossing your lines. So that, but that's, you know, again, another conversation, but just to make that clear, it's not that everybody else is like crossing your boundaries. It's that you put up a fence and then you just hopped over it to like help your neighbor because you're a nice person and then you were pissed about it. So that's, <laughs> so that's you know, the number one sign that I ask people to look for. How much resentment are you feeling on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, can I and say too, in, in that yeah. like part of it too, I almost feel like it could also be like, everything is always everybody else's fault in that like little yeah. like, resentment. Like, resentment is blaming. But, and that yes. blame, yeah. So I think it goes yeah. like, oh, it, beyond like saying like, oh, I don't, because you could say like, like you're saying, that's not an emotion people want to say that they experience. But like, if you always find yourself blaming other people for like the reason you couldn't get something done or the reason you had to whatever, like that could kind of go that's hand resentment. in hand with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's also like, for me, it showed up, when I was um, in the like height of the busy season in my acupuncture practice in Warsaw, I was seeing anywhere between 60 and 80 people a week. I had no receptionist and there was no such thing as online scheduling at the time. So I was scheduling everybody by myself, which is crazy. So I, you know, when I got a new phone number showing up on my phone, I immediately was like, don't you people understand that I'm busy? Like, why are you bothering me right now? I'm not going to be able to see you for three months anyway. It was probably the electric company being like, are you going to pay your bill? But I was already mad at a patient who wasn't even my patient yet for calling me in the middle of the day because she should know better. Like, I was yeah. mad at people for things that are literally none of their business. Like, why Or, or that they have no, no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, their, it's not theirs to take care of, but I was upset with them for it, you know? Mm -hmm. like, and then I would say, well, I can see you in three months. And they would push back a little bit because, of course, they would push back a little bit. They didn't call me to see me in three months. They called me to see me now. Right. And I'd be like, well, you know, huh, like, mm -hmm. all annoyed. Another way that you'll see it is if you use passive-aggressive digs about silly things like you hold the door open for somebody when you're going into a store and they walk in and don't say thank you and you go, you're welcome. 
after them, even if it's under your breath. Like that's a, that's a, that's resentment. That's what resentment is. So sometimes those examples help people find those things in their, in their lives. So resentment is one thing I ask people to start paying attention to. And once you start looking for it, you'll, you'll probably find it at least a little bit. But right. if you find it a lot, then like red flag, red flag, red flag. Right. If it's one bad day, it's one thing. Yeah, if it's like exactly. every day, it's another thing. Yeah. yeah. Like you're allowed to have a bad day. Yeah. That's fine. And the other thing that I ask people to look for is if you're – Typical coping mechanisms aren't restoring you anymore or aren't working the way that they used to. Because when you are officially burnt out, when, when you have chronic stress for an extended period of time, that leads to burnout. When you have chronic stress for an extended period of time, it also leads to loss of brain cells in the frontal cortex of your brain, in the front of your brain which means that you have a lesser ability to manage your emotional states. So you'll be pretty explosive. You know, you'll just like, you'll start reacting and, you, and you'll kind of know that you're being nuts, but you can't seem to control it. It's like for, it's like, you know, when we have really bad PMS as a woman, like then you start feeling like that all month. And you're mm -hmm. like, why can't I control myself? Well, you yeah. literally can't because you're missing gray matter. Like your brain has shrunk. You don't have the ability. Right. It also, that, that same gray matter is responsible for your ability to um, have communication, good communication and cooperation with other people. So you start to feel distance from people because you can't connect with them because you don't have the part of your brain, the part of your brain that's responsible for that isn't fully functioning, right? So when you're actually burnt out, there are really big physiological things that are happening that are keeping you where you are. So the typical coping mechanisms that you would have used for stress in the past are no longer going to be effective. So for whether they are healthy or unhealthy coping mechanisms. So I'm not saying anything against a glass of wine at the end of the day. However, if you have a glass of wine at the end of your day, and that usually just like takes the edge off and allows you to like smooth yourself into your family life in the afternoon, you start needing three or four glasses of wine instead of one. Or if you were somebody who ran three miles, you know, every morning just to sort of clear your head and get yourself ready for the day or whatever it happens to be, or you do a kickboxing class or soul cycle or whatever you're into, you have a Peloton, do your thing, but you start doing it. And instead of feeling refreshed when you finished and clear headed, you feel groggy and tired, right? So the things that you were using you can't sit on your meditation pillow anymore because you just, you can't, you can't friggin' sit there. Like you're not doing it. Yoga is not as comforting anymore. So the typical coping mechanism that you would use to help yourself feel better is failing. That to me is a massive sign of burnout. I think those are all great because I don't think any of those people would, I think you would say I'm super tired or exhausted and you would equate like fatigue to burnout. I think if someone just says, Oh, what is burnout? Oh, it's when you get like overly fatigued or you're like, you have trouble getting out of bed or something like that. You know, where I think most people would equate burnout to fatigue in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And it is part of it, right? Like sure. the, the initial thing that you need is emotional and physical exhaustion. So yes, mm -hmm. emotional exhaustion is part of it, but it's like emotional exhaustion that you can't recover from in normal, typical ways. Like you go on vacation and you come back, you don't feel any better. You True. sleep at night and you have a good night's sleep and you wake up and you don't feel any better. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing's correct. It's just through. not, you're not restoring. You're, you're not regenerating. Sure. Your body is not functioning at that level. Well, I think the other good point that you made too is like, 
when you were talking about a, a diagnosis of burnout, who goes to their doctor and says those things anyways? Like, no I'm not, feel, yeah, you're not that if you're there for your, like I do, you know, my yearly physical or whatever, that's not the stuff I'm going into my healthcare professional and saying, well, I, <laughs> I mean, maybe if you're fatigued, but you know, I resent everybody. I don't, I find, yeah. you know, they're it's like, not just that stuff. You're, here's Lexapro. Yeah. It's just not their answer, you know? Right. And most, again, I know we touched on this already and said this, but most people are just going to say like, that's the everyday stress of life. Why would you even bring that up to someone else? Or, or you may, like you were saying earlier too, like a lot of people don't ask for help and a lot of people, so most people are not going to admit like, I'm super overwhelmed right now. I need help. And that's a whole, I mean, that's obviously a whole nother topic too, because we're diving into like mental health and all that kind of stuff. But like that part of it is like, like you're saying, it's important to give a voice to that part of this because that is not something that typically is a conversation people are having because it might be a little shameful. They don't want to admit, a lot of women don't want to admit they can't do everything. Yeah. I, and I know personally for me, and it was several years ago, I think it was right around um, when I had my third son, like one of the biggest things I did for myself when I was like kind of pregnant with my, my son and I was super, really sick and stuff was like, ask for help with my other kids. It was like, and then it was like, it was like a snowball. I'm like, oh, it's okay to not like do everything. I can like, ask other people to come and help me. You know what I mean? And it was like this big, like aha moment for me because I would be like, my, I, my grandma lives close by. So it's my kid's great grandma. And I'd be like, grandma, can you please just come over and sit with my kids for like an hour while I take a nap or something, you know, when I was pregnant and I was like, oh wait, the people in your life are actually willing to come and help and do things for you. Yeah. It's like mind blowing. Yeah, it it can be mind blowing. And it's amazing that we, we, the, one of the biggest problems with burnout in the United States and in the Western culture that has seeped into the rest of the world is that if you look at American top values, you'll find on the list of top 10, one word that just digs under my skin every time I hate it. And that word is individualism. We love pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and cheering for the underdog and like thinking that you can make everything in your life happen by yourself. We are the only culture that believes that. And there are problems with some of the familial and community cultures in the world. I'm not saying that we need to like go backwards and go to systems that forced you into marriages that you didn't want to be in and things like this. You know, I, I understand that no system is perfect. However, you have never done anything by yourself in your whole entire life. And I, and I, there are people that are going to fight with me internally when I say that, but I want you to right now, as we're speaking, I have a desk in front of me. Somebody had to make this desk in order for somebody to make this desk. Somebody had to chop down wood. In order for somebody to chop down wood, they had to have an axe or whatever machine that they used. In order for them to have the machine, somebody had to make that machine. Then after the table was made, it had to get brought to a store where somebody was going to buy it. After it was bought, this table is probably, this is at my parents' house. This table is probably 60 years old. It has been sanded down and repainted and designed and shifted and new knobs put on and all just sorts of different things. So uh, there's been people involved in that. On top of this desk, I have a mug. Somebody had to make this mug and produce this mug and put this mug in a 
shelf and somebody had to buy it and bring it home and put it in a package. And, and there's a magazine and there's an alarm clock and there's a, sh- a box of shoes on the desk. Don't ask me why. It's not my house. <laughs> there's a hat, right? Just, and there's this computer that I'm on talking to you that's full of software and hardware and all sorts of programs that we need in order to be able to connect right now. I'm sitting here speaking with you technically by myself, but there are a million hands that needed to exist in order for me to inhabit this space right now. And we have completely lost this connection to the fact that we have never really done anything alone. Every bit of food you eat, whether it's processed or fresh, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying you probably didn't do it by, even if you grow your own garden, the seeds had to come from somewhere. And the, you know, like there's so many people involved in your life that you never think about. And this, this individualism, I think, really messes us up because we forget that we're not doing it. If, if you think that you're doing everything alone, then reaching out for help feels like a big step. But if you realize that just sitting at your desk, there's 400 people that needed to exist for you to be able to sit there, which is a low estimation. Sure. Think about all the apps you have on your computer. How many people had to exist in order for that to come together? I mean, thousands, thousands of people. And we forget, but it's not such a big stretch to say, oh my God, 400 people helped me get here. Maybe I should ask one more. And the, but the, and the part about that, I mean, asking for help, the part about actually asking for help is the people who love you and support you and are there for you want to want to help you and they want to see you succeed. And they, I mean, that's like a big thing to wrap your head around too. And you, like you're saying, everybody wants to be the, the success story that did it all alone and pulled themselves up by their bootstraps with like $10 in their bank account to become yeah, a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, right, but exactly. behind the scenes, typically that's only part of the story. I mean, like anybody who's run a business, there's might be those outliers, but most of them have hustled and struggled for years and years and years and years and years to get with a to lot where of people along the way, with a lot of people along the way. And again, if we're talking about burnout, probably burned out several times and yes. stopped and restarted and stopped and restarted. Yes. And those little things. And that's not always like, like I was saying, just asking someone to come over and help with my kids for an hour was yeah. like a huge thing. Right. It's not always like hiring other people to do things or whatever. Sometimes it's just like asking that, finding a new way to like disconnect and, and re- reconnect to yourself and like saying like, oh, I'm going to call that friend that I haven't called in forever because everybody wants to be so busy and they don't want to interrupt anybody else's life and like going out for coffee and like feeling a little yeah. bit of a recharge. Yeah. What I ask people to do pretty often when we start a process is to pull away from their friendships for a moment because when you're burnt out, you don't really have the capacity to be there in a way that, that is going to be satisfactory to you. Mm-hmm. So then you're in this friendship and you're judging yourself for not being able to show up enough. And it's just, it's bad news. So for two or three weeks, I ask people to pull back and just say, like, t- tell your friends they should understand. If you're somebody that's into self-growth, your friends probably get the fact that every once in a while you're like, I need five minutes. So tell your friends you need five minutes. And during that process, I often ask people to write love letters to their friends. I said, I want you to remember 
how you really feel about this person and how important they are to you in their lives. And two things happen when I ask people to do that. One of them is they realize that they've held on to a couple of people that they don't need to be. They're like, I can't anymore. write a love letter to this person. I can't write a love letter. I can, I write a lot. If I write a love letter to this person, it's in the past tense, mm. which is totally okay. But if yeah. you know that, then you know, then you need to stop spending energy in, in that space. And the other thing that happens is when you write a letter like that, that you allow yourself to feel those old feelings of love and appreciation for somebody, not only do you give that person a chance to feel loved and appreciated, but you also help your brain cells to regrow at the same time. So it's I'm this glad you said that because I was going to say just when you were talking about the yeah. gray matter and I wrote it down and then I got off on something else. So when you start, when you get this like deterioration, it can come back. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. The brain, the neuroplasticity of the brain is totally incredible. I mean, we can do a million things with the brain mm-hmm. and it can all grow back. That's, it's not problematic, but one of the only things that makes it grow back is, is true rest, like actual rest, like not Netflix, like rest for a significant period of time. And learning how to turn on your parasympathetic nervous system instead of being stuck in fight or flight, which might mean dealing with some old trauma. You know, it might mean, it could mean a million different things. It depends on the person's situation. Mm -hmm. It could mean a lot of things, but it is like you're in order for your brain to regrow, your nervous system has to be in a state of calm. So lions in the wild, right? You have lions in the wild. They're in a pride. That's the group of lions is called a pride. Correct. And when lions are in the wild and they are at war for some reason, there's another pride that comes along and they're fighting for territory or something else is happening. All of the females stop menstruating. Their nervous systems are on high alert and that informs their hormonal system to shut down, to say, now is not a safe time to bring in a child. Now is not a safe time to do this. So we need all of our energy to be in our muscles and ready for action all the time. And it will automatically turn back on as soon as the war is over. The thing about humans is we keep playing the war over and over in our minds. We don't let go of the war. And humans do the same thing. Like it goes away from your digestive system. It goes away from your reproductive health. And it goes to the the vital things that it thinks it needs to survive. And so when people, I mean, this is a whole nother podcast too. We could go, but it's like that, that is a lot of root cause with people with gastrointestinal issues and yes. reproductive autoimmune issues. autoimmune issues is yeah. because that's the way the body works yes so if your body is stuck in this sympathetic dominant system where where the the nervous system that's responsible for you being in fight or flight for everybody i know i'm not just saying this to you um i know that you know this already but for for the audience at large when your body's in this fight or flight all the time what happens is you miss your time of restoration. So even when you're sleeping, which is when you're supposed to do the majority of your restoration, it's not working the way that it's supposed to. So when you're sleeping, your body's job is to like kill off all the cells that sort of died during the day and flush them out of your system through urine, feces, blood, right? You're supposed to rebalance your heart rate. You're supposed to recalibrate your breathing rate. You're supposed to, there's all of these things that happen while you sleep. But when your sympathetic nervous system is on fire, that shit just doesn't happen. So you don't restore. So the, the, if your brain, if you're to the point where you're really burnt out, the reason that you get stuck on a cycle of being burnt out is because you really need a significant amount of time 
for your brain to be restored to full health so that you can actually feel like yourself again. One of the biggest things my clients say to me is, I feel like I lost the best parts of myself and I'm not sure if I can ever get her back. I say, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can totally get her back. But we have to be really nice to the person she left behind first. Like yeah. Real nice. <laughs> you know, I think, I think there's such, I, I know we talked about boundary time, but like, I think women in general, like, get on this like roller coaster. So I think that that, you know, it's really important, helpful for people to kind of understand like, well, A, probably almost everybody you know has gone through this, but like that this is kind of like the natural cycle of the body. That's like not you. It's not you. Right. There's like not some deficit in you exactly. as a person. No. Like this is just the way the body's designed to work. Yeah. Well, this important. is one of the biggest things in my book. I, I must repeat the words, burnout is not your fault 300 times over 200 pages because yeah. it's so important for me for you to realize that the reasons that you're burning out are things that you can change, but the reason that you do those things in the first place was not a, usually a conscious decision on your part. Right. So it's, it's not your fault that you ended up here, but unfortunately you're the only one that can unwind it with, and you should not do it alone. You, you kind of got here because you thought you should do everything alone. You should not DIY your burnout recovery. You should have support. It doesn't have to be me, but yeah. you should have support yeah. for sure. Um, but this is why also like my book is particularly geared towards female entrepreneurs because when I read through all of the burnout research, which I read through a lot of pages of burnout research, a lot, a lot of research and research is very dry, but I read through everything that I could find and the thing that bothered me the most is that it's all talking about corporations and hospitals. Nobody was talking about entrepreneurship. Nobody. So I stopped and I thought, okay, well, if we take all of this information and extrapolate it and put it into the female entrepreneur's life, one of the things that you need to avoid burnout is connection. Well, as an entrepreneur, you're mostly by yourself. One of the things that you need to avoid burnout is praise from other people, literal recognition of your work. And so if you have no one on a day-to-day -day basis, and I'm not saying every single day, all day, but if you have no one on a semi-regular basis to stop and say, I notice you, you're doing a good job, you're going to be more prone to burnout. And we all know that in the world of working online, most of the time we're asking for testimonials. They don't always come spontaneously. So you're reaching out to people on purpose to say, can you tell other people that you love me, please? Yeah. And then they and that do can it. feel a little cringy sometimes to people because right. you're like, if they liked me enough, they would just do it. Right. So when people write the things that they write, which are probably very honest, yeah. you don't absorb them as much because they weren't spontaneous. Right. And you're not taking the time to, you know, pat yourself on the back for all the work that you're doing, because you're probably judging yourself for never doing enough, no matter how much you do. Or, or just moving on to what's next. Like, okay, right. Not off. What's stopping. Next? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not stopping to look at the view after the hike up the mountain that you just took. So I feel like there's this, like, if, if you take all of those pieces that they're talking about in corporate world and in, in the hospitals, then it's really easy to see why female entrepreneurs are going to burn out more than everybody else. 
Well, we've got all the factors. Right. And then on the other side of that too, is just in the kind of same lane is like, you're comparing yourself to what you think like these big corporate executives are doing or a lot of times and not to sound like, you know, I don't know, a super feminist, but you're comparing yourselves to what men do in the same, in the same, um, like in the entrepreneurial field, if you're an entrepreneur and, and obviously it can go into like, you could be a stay at home mom. You could be, and you're comparing yourself to what other stay at home moms are, or you could be, you know, whatever, but, um, you're comparing yourself to like, you may be down here on like your level one, you're comparing yourself to what people are up here, like 10 years into it are doing it, or you're comparing yourself with to what men in similar situations are doing. And, and, you know, as a mom, I have three kids. I am a stay at home mom. I work from home. I have my kids do cyber school and homeschool. So they're always here with me. And my day to day is not going to look the same as a male entrepreneur who is maybe has children, maybe doesn't, or is a single woman, um, even doing, yeah. doing an entrepreneurial job, because I don't get blocks of times that are three hours long to like, you know, work on my business. Whereas like right. maybe my male counterpart has the kids at daycare or at school and he has eight hours a day to work or a partner who's taking care of them, which is a lot of times the case for a lot of men who are, who are in the entrepreneurial field. And it's like, so if you're comparing yourself to someone who has eight interrupted hours a day to work on their business or 12 uninterrupted hours in a day to work on their business, and you're trying to do the same thing and I have three 50 minute slots, you're, (laughs) you're, gonna burn out trying to yes. do the same amount of work that someone who has eight hours to do it in or some corporate executive where the research is showing you like oh this is why they're burning out well you're like well I don't work 12 hours a day on my business right. but if you're working 15 hours a day and in trying your to, in your home and trying to incorporate your business into it you're doing the same thing to yourself right exactly and I think it's an important thing to say and I don't even I mean I understand the caveat like you're not trying to sound like a super feminist but the the facts are the facts right now right that and men burn out for different reasons like the sure. the part of the patriarchy that is difficult for men is that as entrep- when men go out into entrepreneurship there's still this belief that men are supposed to bring home the bacon that men are sure. supposed to financially provide and that's a massive amount of stress for them and that sure. is one of the biggest factors why they burn out so i am not saying that men, men burn don't out burn out yeah. and that their men burn out too I think that they deserve the support and the help. And I, I um, worked with somebody in Australia. He runs a support group called Burnout Bros. And mm-hmm. I, I support them wholeheartedly. I think that. it's very important. That being said, when a man starts a company, statistically speaking, 90% of the time, there is a partner, male or female, who is picking up all of the slack at home and that is what is expected societally 90 percent, 90 percent of this i didn't make this up yeah and they're they're probably supported more often i would imagine like when someone says like i'm gonna start this business and everybody's like yeah good for you you're a strong dude yeah and i will say my own personal like little story that really like irked me and i was like my screw you moment was i there was a person that i had known from like my teenage early 20 years and they were like and I started my business because I had gotten um like I was kind of on bed rest I had to quit my job when I was pregnant with my first daughter and I was um I started my business because I was like well I got to do something because I'm not the type of person who can like sit around and do nothing I was like going kind of store crazy and then so I started my soap and skincare line because kind of out of like I'm home I have to do something 
this is my industry because I used to work in the spa industry. Um, and he was like, this guy was like, it's so sad when moms like start a like hobby business and like start selling stuff on Etsy. And I'm like, screw you. Like screw you. (laughs) And I, and, and the funny part of it is like, I could almost guarantee at this point in my career that I make more money in my hobby business than this, this particular person makes in their full-time job. (laughs) Right. But it's like, but it's like, why, why is that sad? Why is it sad that someone wants to, to start a business or someone wants to try to help support their family? A woman. Yes, that's exactly. Why is it sad that a woman wants to help support her family? Even if she does stay home, like maybe she wants to contribute. Maybe it's not like I'm going to pay all the bills with this, but maybe it's like, I want to contribute in some way. And I love that people are like, want to contribute. Meanwhile, you're raising three kids while somebody's out of the house all damn day. Hello. So, and then there's, there's definitely that piece of it. And there's also the piece when you look at the opposite side. So like a man starts a business 90% of the time, there's somebody picking up all the slack at home, Mm -hmm. all the slack because he needs to be able to focus. He's got this dream. He's got this thing. But when a woman starts a business, she literally does the exact same amount of work in the home. Mm -hmm. Literally nothing changes. So if we're already doing statistically speaking, 70 to 85% of the work in the home. And we still have to do that much and build a business. But when a man gets to build a business, he gets to drop all home responsibilities, except for maybe cutting the grass every other week. How, I mean, huh. And, and I'll say too, there are plenty of men who do work yes. at home. So I don't want to be like, statistically speaking. yes, I know. I know. I just won't, don't want to ruffle the feathers of those people who are like, well, I do a ton of work at home. I'll say my husband does a ton of work in our house. So I, you know, I'm not saying that there's, yeah. And and that's great for me. Like there are still a lot of men. And I do think that it's better. And I don't think that they're doing it. And so before I'm not, I can go back to the resentment thing. No, no, no. I don't think that you are. No, no, I don't think you are. demonizing men in any way. And I really believe that they do have their own problems and it is not their fault that this is the system that we all live in. We, but we, we all participate in this system. Sure. This is something that is built into us as, as a, um, you know, Puritan based country mm-hmm. as a Christian based country for the majority of it. Right. The man is in charge. The woman listens like this. Is, this is built into us for centuries. Sure. So while it is very normal in my household for my husband to do the laundry and vacuum yeah. and cook, and it's very normal in my house yeah. for my husband to do those things. Very normal. That's not typical. And is it changing right now? Yes. Yes. Is it yeah. still expected when a man starts a business or gets a high paying job that he is allowed to drop most things at home? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I totally and then I'm not blaming them for it. No, Th- that's what they've been taught. That's what we've been taught. It's it's just the, it's just the system. And I think this that this whole conversation, this part of the, goes back to can go right back to the resentment and the setting yes. boundaries. Like exactly. if you've walked into a, a any type of partnership and you picked up certain slack, that second yes. person forgets that you pick yes. up that slack. So then you start to resent that person and that because opens you, a whole they, other can of room. You took it off their plate. Right. You took and it now off they their don't, plate. they're not thinking about it. And they shouldn't because that's how brains work. Your brain doesn't think about how you tie your shoe. Your brain doesn't think about how you brush your teeth. Your brain doesn't think about how to take a left turn in your car. Mm-hmm. When you take something off of your brain's plate, your brain says, great. 
done with that. Let's be more efficient. I don't need to consider that anymore. And when I was in the height of my burnout and I was really mad at my husband, assuming that I was doing everything at home, I actually had to stop. I had a coach tell me, I want you to pay attention for the next two weeks and write down every time he does something like in the house. And I started writing it down and I was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. I have never thought about whether or not my dog has water ever, ever. Yeah. I've noticed it sometimes and filled it up. Right. But I don't, I don't consciously check it. it. No, he consciously checks it every single night before we go to bed. Yeah. I have the same story with my, I never consciously check my gas tank. Because my husband mm-hmm. always fills up my gas tank for me. And yeah. I, right. I, I told you this story. We, midst of Corona, we're not driving. I'm the only one who really drives. He's working from home. I go to the grocery store. I almost ran out of gas because I never get in the car and check my gas tank. Exactly. Because, but you also are like, well, and that goes back to the same thing. If you're thinking like, I'm doing everything. I'm sure that you're not doing everything. You've just, you don't consciously think about the things you don't have to do. Right. You, yeah. And, and you might be doing a majority, but you entered yeah. that unspoken agreement just as much as they did. Exactly. And that and could the be fact that your you, boundaries. You're right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The fact that you didn't Full talk circle. about it. Yeah. Right. The fact that you didn't talk about it is also nobody's fault right. because you both brought in assumptions that you learned from your family, from your culture and brought them into your home and then assumed that's what that was supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And you sometimes don't realize until seven or eight or nine or 10 years have passed that yeah. you really don't want to be the person that has to think about the dishwasher all the time. Yeah. yeah. But you didn't know that yeah. in the beginning. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, I always do the dishes. And then I you're mad, but you don't, yeah. you don't think about like, well, the other person always mows the lawn. Maybe they don't want to mow the lawn. Right. Exactly. 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 So the, I, it was really helpful for me mm-hmm. to start taking note of like, we have a housekeeper that comes in. I hate cleaning. My husband hates cleaning. He had a housekeeper most of his life. So when he was like, we need to get a housekeeper, I was like, no way. That's not the kind of thing I grew up like thinking that you, you don't pay for stuff like that. Like that's not, no, you do it yourself. It's just cleaning a house. But he was like, no, we need a housekeeper. And so now we have a housekeeper, which I love and I would never give up. It's like, this, I will work until my knuckles are bleeding so that somebody else can clean my house. <laughs> but you know, he, in, in between, after I cook, he often vacuums the kitchen and it used to annoy me because I was like, what, you think I'm a messy person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how crazy is that? Uh-huh. Right. And he's like, well, no, she's not going to be here for another six days and there's crumbs on the floor. So I'm just going to vacuum. Like he doesn't, it doesn't bother him. He noticed that he vacuums them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I hate doing it, but I also don't, didn't want him to do it because I didn't want him to think that I couldn't do, you know, like, right, right, right. it's like so convoluted that I had to consciously make a decision to appreciate that that was taken off my plate. Mm-hmm. The crumbs in the kitchen. Yeah. Silly thing. Yeah. But it was causing a lot of emotional, like, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. you know, for, for silly reasons when you really stop to look at them. Yeah, for sure. I, um, now I know you touched on this as one of the things when you first start to like address your burnout. And I think it can sound kind of savage if you say like, cut out your friends for a little while. And if they're not serving you, then maybe that's not a friendship you need to maintain. And, and, you know, I'll say I'm like kind of, um, very strict about who I give my time to now. Like Mm -hmm. before I would have said like, you know, there's probably a couple years ago, I would have said 
why would you like cut out people who've been in your life for years? But if they're a person who is like, a, like, obviously there's some people you're not going to cut out of your life completely because like maybe yeah. they're family or whatever. And you know, but yeah, like you don't have to give them, give them your time. Like my, I, I'm going to use my grandma as an example. My grandma had this friend who she's had for, and I say friend loosely with the air quotes, 30 years, but this person like just really drained her. Like every time you talked to her, she would complain about this person and they always like needed a favor, a ride, a this, a that a thing. And they thought, always thought they were doing all the favors for her, but like everything about this person drained her. And finally, like just this summer, she goes, I cut him, I cut him loose. I was like, good yeah. for you. We've been waiting for years. Um, but yeah. <laughs> if there's a person that like, drains you, then it's not yeah. a bad thing to say like, okay, I need to distance myself from this person. But that being said, one of the th- tips you said, distance yourself from your friends temporarily. Yes. What else are we going to do? <laughs> and I, I just want to touch on that a little bit because yeah. I am anti-cancel culture. I am yeah. not saying that if your friend drains you a little bit, they're toxic. Yeah. No, I like not at all. And don't just cut people out just because you're annoyed right. one day. Right. Like, you're an adult. You should try to work through it. Like, right. Don't, don't be a child about it. So right. if you realize that your time with someone has passed, then that's okay. Because but, people grow and change. Yes. You may not be on the same grow, that's, anymore. that's totally fine. Yeah. But if you are having trouble with someone because you had bad boundaries, don't blame them for it. Sure. Like don't, it doesn't, just because somebody makes you feel bad doesn't mean that person is toxic. Right. Like I just, I hate, I hate that whole idea of like, just throw people out. Like, no, I'm not throwing people out with the bathwater. Like that's not happening, but you do have to pay attention to the way your energy is being spent. Sure. That's the part that's important. Okay. So. No, no, totally fine. I think that's great. And I, (laughs) I did an episode on, and we talked about boundaries and the woman was like, she was a psychologist and she was saying like, I hate when people are late. That's like one of her boundaries. She's like, if someone's late, it cancels every time you make plans with them. It, it's not their fault that they're late or being canceled. It might be you that's never said that, listen, my time and my schedule is very important to me. Like if you can't keep this time and schedule, then maybe we have to make other plans. Right. But you know, if you don't express that that's one of your boundaries or one of your like things that it's super important to you. It's not someone else's fault that they push or step over that boundary if they don't know that's one of your boundaries. Well, and even if you do tell them, it's not other people's jobs to adjust to please you. Right. And that's something you do have to decide, like, is that worth it in the friendship for me to continue or not? If they continue to push the boundaries that you've said, like, this is super important to me and they don't respect it, then that's another thing too. Like you have to say, is the friendship worth continuing if they can't respect your boundaries or is it something that you can let go? Yeah. And how, but, and and ask yourself how often you've been able to change your personality and who you are for the sake of someone else's emotional comfort. Yeah. It's not something that we do very frequently. It's really hard. No, for sure. But we have this expectation of other people Mm -hmm. very often. And it's, it's not so easy to do. It's not so easy to say, well, I'm going to put this new boundary. We've been friends for 12 years, but I've decided now that this is a problem. And then we expect people to fall in line. And it's not so easy for you to change the rules of the game on people last minute, barely tell time. them about it. Yeah. 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 There's going to be fouls, you know, yeah. like people are going to mess up, but that, yeah. so that's, um, yeah, that could definitely be a whole episode. <laughs> okay. So what so, so we're saying, we're going to 
take a minute for ourselves. Take a yeah. beat back. Maybe yes, spend some internal back time. Is really important. Yeah. yeah. The taking a beat back is really important. I also have a lot of people start with, I have like a mini course that's called the resentment journal and it takes you through step-by-step step how to find resentment in your life, how to write it down and describe it so that you can like name it and claim it. And so it becomes a thing that you can actually look at instead of this abstract idea that you're just frustrated about. Mm -hmm. And then how to transform that resentment into boundaries and, bo and extra energy for yourself. So there, you end up, there's four options. When you have resentment, you can upgrade, you can drop it, you can create a boundary, you can, you know, there's, there's four options. And so a lot of times I have people start with this mini course because if you can work out, if you're feeling really resentful, that's taking up a massive amount of your energy on a day-to-day -day basis. If you can work through 50% of it on your own, which you can do with this journal, it's 27 bucks and it takes two hours. Like it, just do it. If you can work through a lot of that, you'll find that you'll free up a lot of energy and then you'll start to notice the other things that are wrong that need to be like shifted in, in your world. But when you are stuck in this place of resentment and blame, like you, especially like you were saying before, like you start to blame a lot. When you're stuck in resentment and blame, it's nearly impossible for you to start to heal because you have not taken any sense of responsibility over what's happening yet. I'm, right? I'm not in my head, but yes, yes. <laughs> right, you I'm can't like, heal if you have no responsibility for the current situation. It's not possible to heal when it's somebody else's fault. And I think just kind of not even from a burnout perspective, but just as like in general, in general, we tend to place blame on other people because for whatever reason, I mean, it's easier. It's easier. Yeah. It's easier to place blame on someone else than look internally to say like, what's going on that maybe I did wrong or admit that you did something that maybe wasn't the best decision or whatever it was. It's easier to blame the other person or someone else involved or whatever than it is to look internally sometimes especially when you have what i call good person syndrome because you're doing everything for everybody else yeah look at me like i did all these things to help you and the other person's like um but i didn't ask you to do any of those things so like or back to the resentment thing they're right. not even thinking about you anymore doing those things exactly it's kind of exactly. a vicious cycle here if we it really if we could, is yeah. It really is because most of the time, like in good person syndrome, one of the um, issues with good person syndrome is that you're trying to be a good person in order to prove to other people that you're a good person. You, your desire to help you think is genuine, but it's from your ego state. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to admit that. Yeah. It's really hard to admit that. It was very true in my life. So now I confront people with it, you know, in my coaching practice because it's been so revolutionary to me. But it's hard to stop yeah. and say, well, I did that mostly because I wanted somebody to say thank you to me. I yeah. did that because I wanted recognition. I did that because at the end of the day, I want to be able to check off like all the ways I was good today. So I mm -hmm. feel better about myself so that I know that I am valuable and worthy. It wasn't until one of my closest friends taught me that she would love me no matter how like difficult I was kind of because I was like pretty difficult with her that I started to realize that there are people in my life that are going to love me no matter what. And I needed that external love in order to create self-love. People are like, I friggin' hate makes me nuts. People, if you just love yourself enough, no, no. 
sometimes you have to figure out how to, to yeah i feel that way i kind of feel that way about like i see things where people are um we're kind of kind of going back to like a partnership here like oh you shouldn't need your your partner like they should be there just like whatever but i'm like i don't feel that way at all i'm like i no. need my partner i like i love my husband i want to spend time with him i need him for yeah. support i need him to be there like when i need another yeah. person and i yeah. and there's nothing wrong and it and it gosh it goes back to the the what we were saying about like having to pull yourself up by your preacher there is nothing absolutely nothing wrong to say like i rely it's not to say you couldn't survive without them. Of course you could, but it's nothing wrong with saying, I rely on this other person to be my person when I need a person. Yes. yes. And I am happy to be that person for them as exactly. well. Exactly. Because that's a partnership. Because that's a partnership. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. I, don't, I, I totally, I feel like I just went off on a tangent there, but. But an important one. <laughs> An important one, and it's and yeah. it's all part of this discussion. It's yeah. it all comes down to the same stuff. Like, and I think that you know we learn self love because of from our caregivers. And if you didn't learn that as a child, because nobody knew how to teach that to you, you have to learn it as an adult. And you learn it as an adult the same way you learn it as a child from other people. Like we have all this. You can't self-love your way out of everything i i know that instagram would have you believe well you can't you can't just think positively out of everything right. that's another thing that bothers me i'm like exactly well, i mean there's a, a whole thing that goes along with that too but like you have to learn how to love yourself like it but, doesn't just yeah. like you can't just like i mean maybe it works decide. for some people yeah decide and then like repeat like nice things to yourself in the mirror every day and like expect it to like do miracles there's i mean it might be that's part of your practice of what you do but it can't like I think we get so caught up in like seeing people like saying like, I meditate for an hour every day. And then I repeat affirmations. And like you get caught up in this, like there's some like little magic thing that someone does on a daily basis or some like thing that is going to make the big difference, but it's never one thing that in it's my experience, never it's never thing. one thing that it's like this person does this differently and that's why they're so happy or this person does right. that or anybody's. And, and I think that, and it's like anything that you do in life, everything takes work. You're not just going to like one day decide I'm going to have a positive attitude and then you're positive and then you never have to think about it again. Like no matter what practice you're working on, whether it's self-love or it's like, you know, yeah. your career, whatever, like everything you do is going to take work, like constant work. You don't and just fix one thing and never again. Other people. Yeah. There's always other people involved. Looking for external validation is not a bad thing. We all need it. And I'm not saying we should live for it and survive yeah. off of it. It shouldn't yeah. be the thing that recharges our batteries, but it is necessary. And I would love for us to stop, stop pretending that it's not. Yeah. Like you One don't have to things, live for the Instagram likes, but it's nice no. to hear you're appreciated. Everybody likes yes. a compliment, even exactly. if someone are, are a little bit like humbled by it. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Right. But you're like, if there's an, everybody wants to, to feel appreciated and loved and, and yes. Yeah, so. And because our system was always as humans, our system was always tribal on some level, which meant that we needed to be accepted in the group enough in order to be sure that we weren't going to be left behind. That's still important. And you only, you don't need to have 40 people. Yeah. You know, like I'm not talking about, you, you don't need to have this like massive conglomerate of people. 
but you do need to have like one or two people and they don't have to be your family. If that's not where you got that from, I am not into, you know, you must Fam- stick yeah, by yeah. your blood. No, no, no not necessarily. No. <laughs> like if that, if they didn't work for you, then that's okay. Yeah. You know, you can choose your people. Yeah. But you should choose your people and yeah. let them love you. Let them allow it. It's really important. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. I'm like the, the, I, we have so many, I think we grew up in like a blended family. So like the concept, the concept of like a blood relative, and I have like really crappy, some really crappy, not all of them, blood relatives where I'm like, thank goodness that I wasn't raised with these people more because they're like, I have my grandpa who I grew up with was not like my blood. You know, he's my, my grandma's second husband, but he's the only one we ever knew, but he's not my blood relative. He's like the, um, like their marriage, their like love, their whole thing is like what I see as like my like pillar and, but not blood. And, and it's funny because as we talk about like boundaries and partners and feminism, and it's like the things that you choose to do, like my grandma, and this might be because she was raised in, you know, she, they were married in like the forties or whatever. Every single night she had to be home for dinner for him. Like she was like, she makes him dinner. Like, and that's what she did. And she served it to him every single night. I've been married for almost 14 years. I serve my husband dinner every night, not because yeah. it's like a patriarchy thing, not because I feel right. like I have to, but that was like my, my childhood reference of like love. Like right. I never even heard them say like, I love you to each other, but you knew that they did. And right. so like every, and I don't feel resentful. Like I enjoy doing that for my husband and he's like yeah. the type of person who enjoys having it done for him. So yeah. it's like, I don't feel like it's like me being suppressed or anything. You know what I mean? Right. That's something I do. It's, it's like it's show a love. choice that you've it made. It's a choice. Right. Yeah. And not a resentful yeah. choice. I enjoy doing it. But, right. but the point, you know, like there's so many people in your lives that, that you choose to be part of your family. And, and that's totally fine. I, I mean, I'm like totally on the same page with that. If those are your people, yeah. I feel like too, in life, and this is going off on, on a totally different direction, we are drawn to people, like for yes. a reason, like you cross paths with people and you come to people and you find people and you talk to people. And I've even found this like with, with doing like my podcast and stuff, I seem to draw the people that I feel like I connect with well. Like there's yeah. very rarely, there's someone that I invite on to do this that I don't connect with and like have easy conversations with. But I am not a person who walks up I was talking about this with my sister the other day because she she's like a talker. She likes to meet people and like go out and like have friends. And I'm like, I don't make small talk. I avoid it at all at all costs. I connect with people who I can have real conversations with. Yeah, me too. And I don't want to just chit chat with someone just to like pass the time. I'm like, I'll sit down with you. I will talk about like tell me your deep dark secrets. Deep dark <laughs> secrets and like have like the deep conversations with me people. Too. But but don't like sit and say like. How was your week? Did you guys have fun? Did you guys have yeah. like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's yeah. just that was really hard for me, especially yeah. after like doing acupuncture for such a long time and working with fertility for the first six years, almost exclusively. I was talking to, like I said, 60 to 80 people a week about like literally their deepest, darkest feelings. Mm-hmm. And then I would go into my regular life and people would be talking about bullshit. And I was just like, oh no, mm-hmm. I can't No. Either we're really talking or like, don't bother me. Or I'm happy, but I'm happy to sit in silence by myself. <laughs> it was like one or the other. Have a deep conversation yeah. with me or let me sit here by myself. Or let me and read my quiet. book. 
Oh gosh, I love it. Um, all right, so I feel like we have like talked about so much in this episode, but I wanna make sure people can find you too. Um, so it's katedonovan.com. Yes. Fried the Burned Out Podcast, the Burnt yes. Out Podcast. Yes. Um, that's on probably everywhere you can find podcasts, everywhere. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere. Um, the new book is coming out. Hopefully it'll, it'll, it should be out by the time this is released. So it's yes. the Bounce Back Ability Factor. The Bounce Back Ability Factor. Yep. And then people who want to find out what you do, all that good stuff. And they probably can find all this stuff too. Website. We'll put it in yes. the... Yes. And the bounce back ability factor is on Amazon is on Kindle version paperback. You can order either all the places. Um, Yes. All the places. (laughs) Awesome. This has been amazing. Before I kick off, was there any other thing you want to tell people about burnout? Was there anything we didn't get to? I know we got burned out and then we also got a whole lot of other stuff. But all of it matters. It all matters. And it, it all matters. I think anybody who listened can tell that like we kept going around like, Oh wait, but this comes right back to this. So I, yes. it's important to know that like, yeah, it's all connected. Yeah. I, well, the only thing that I would do would be to reiterate the fact that burnout is not your fault and you are lovable no matter what you've been taught and no matter what you've believed for however long you've believed it, burnout is not your fault and you are lovable right now as you are no change is necessary. I love it. Beautiful way to end. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Synergistic Healing. If you liked it, be sure to rate it and share it with anybody who you think might benefit from it. You can find me at kristenbango.com where you'll learn more about natural health and our natural health group, Synergistic Healing. Until next time.